Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. In the second half, once the kids go out, what we normally do is we uh, share some notices. Done. Yeah, tick. Again, this is a normal day at the office. Um, We also look at a Bible passage uh, and we look to see what that means and how that applies to our lives today. And do not fear, we are going to be doing that today. You're on safe ground today. Also in the second half of our meetings, increasingly recently, since coming back from COVID restrictions, we've looked to be building prayer more into the life of church. And we are going to do that today too. So in a sense, it's just a normal Church Central South service. However, in another sense, while we are going to do all of those things, I have a feeling the next 45 minutes is going to be slightly different in some ways to what we'd normally do. Because I've got uh, one other piece of news uh, to share with you that I know some of you would have heard already, uh, but will be new to some of you. Um, But this news is very significant to Church Central as a family of churches, and I'll explain a bit more of what that means in a few minutes, and has particular importance to us as Church Central South uh, as we move forward as well. And I'm going to use that news news as a springboard really for everything else uh, we're going to be looking at this morning. And so just to jump, I'm just going to dive in. I know, again, like I said, loads of you will know this already. uh, And for others, you're just going to be thinking the whole time otherwise, what's it going to be? I'm just going to tell you the headline. I'm going to give you a little bit of the why and then a bit of the wider context of why this is so important for us before we dive into our Bible passage today. So the headline is this. Church Central is a family of churches in Birmingham. Church Central East, Church Central North, Church Central South, and Church Central West. But the number of those churches uh, is about to go down from four to three. On Thursday night at Church Central West, uh, that church were told the news that as of the beginning of May, Church Central West will be ceasing to exist in its present form, and the church are being invited to come to join us at Church Central South. Now, why is this happening? Well, the reason for this is that Owen O'Brien, who has led uh, Church Central West uh, for for a number of years, has made the difficult decision to step down as the leader of that church. And it was felt without him that the the church in its present form really was no longer viable for the things that we were trusting God uh, to be doing through that church. Now, many of you will know Owen O'Brien. You'll know Anna, you'll know uh, Isla, and you'll know Esme and their family. Owen led uh, Church Central South for a number of years before going to the West about uh, five years ago. Um, And I guess as well, those of you who know him will probably be able to guess some of the background uh, to this decision. In in Just putting it very short and and briefly, I wanted to go into too much detail. Owen and Anna uh, adopted a son uh, in... Uh, during the first lockdown, it had been a long process before that, uh, in 2020. And as they were building him into their family and everything was, was going really well, lots of challenges involved there, obviously. Uh, tragically, uh, just after Christmas in 2020, he was diagnosed completely out of the blue with a very aggressive form of cancer. And after eight months of intensive treatment, um, uh, their son died in August last year, as m- many of us would, would be aware of. Um, I mean, I guess it probably goes without saying that um, it's been an absolutely awful year uh, for the O'Brien family. And, and alongside that, the church, Church Central West, has carried a lot of that weight themselves. They've supported the family and really gone on that journey with Owen and Anna too. And um, they, they were, Owen and Anna would have been in and out of hospital for the whole time of, uh, of their son's treatment, which was really intensive uh, at that time. And obviously, uh, Owen stepped back from church work and leading the West to grieve 
uh, the death of his son as well. But what I guess he found, and I, I guess we, we would understand this, is that grief doesn't just go away just like that. And he stepped back into the role in October, really ready to lead Church Central West again. But what he found was that, no, he was still grieving and he was struggling uh, in that way. And I, I guess in the whole thing, just a measure of exhaustion uh, caught up with him. And that really takes its toll. Now, within all this as well, I think it would be fair to say that uh, at a time like this, when you, you go through a process, you often reflect a little bit more about where you've been and where you're going. And in this whole process as well, um, Owen felt that it wasn't just a case that he needed to take a break from leading Church Central West, but actually that going forward, it wasn't the place uh, that he felt God was calling him long term into the future. And this all led him a couple of months ago to, to make the painful decision uh, that on the back of all that, that he was stepping down. And at that point, the central church, central central team, <laughs> you might wonder who that would be. That would be uh, Jonathan, myself, and Tim Brown from, from the East. We've been meeting up a lot with uh, the eldership team uh, uh, and their wives in the, in the West, in Church Central West, Steve and Sanju uh, and Owen uh, and Anna and Emily um, and Jan as well. And while those conversations were really difficult and were full of much prayer and much tears, and I'll be honest, lots of, lots of different opinions, trying to work out what the best thing to do with from people who cared deeply for that church. Uh, we came to the decision together that the best course of action was to close Church Central West as a church and invite them to join this lovely <laughs> community of people, uh, us all here uh, at Church Central South. I recognize that's uh, for some of you, will be very, very big news for you, whether you heard it just now or you've caught it just in the last few days. A good number of people here in this church have been members of Church Central West before, some quite recently. And uh, a load of us would have been in a church together with our friends at Church Central West before we split into Church Central South and Church Central West, which I'll talk a bit more about in a moment. And loads more that more of us will have good friends in that church, you know. And so for some of us, this is going to be really big news. I recognize for others of you, and you might well be members uh, and committed in at Church Central South, you might just be asking, what, what was that church again? Oh, I've never, never even heard of Church Central West. I imagine that's the case for some as well. You, you don't know anybody there. You've never been to one of their meetings. You don't really know much about Church Central West. It doesn't really make a huge amount of difference to you in, in that sense, although I'm sure you empathize with the situation. And so I just wanted to explain, before we go to the Bible passage today, a little bit more of the context of our family of churches to kind of bring us all up to speed, really, about how this might be important going forward. And hopefully, as you're going to see, this isn't going to be a, a, a time of just looking at our toes and feeling sad, sadness and mourning, as we've Heard about kind of coming up to Good Friday. That's important. Lamenting is important. We take those things seriously. We don't brush over or gloss over stuff like that. Never. No, but this isn't going to be a whole time of just, just doing that. We're going to be looking forward to and my, my prayer this morning would be that you'd be caught up uh, in the vision of what God is continuing to do with us and how he's continuing to move us forward. And to do that, I just want to bring you into the story a bit more. For some of you, you'll be like, you'll sit back and go, oh, here we go. I've heard this one a number of times, but it's going to do you good anyway. It always does me good to say it, so I'm assuming it will do you good to hear it, okay? Church Central, what on earth is Church Central? Well, I will take the story back, travel with me to 1996, probably five years ago, as far as it seems in my mind. No, it wasn't, it was 20... <laughs> A few years ago, okay, 1996, Jonathan and Helen, Helen's at the back, give us a wave, Helen, 
Jonathan is at Church Central West today, um, as you might imagine. Um, moved to Birmingham, um, and the church, uh, what is now Church Central, started, and it was originally called West Birmingham Family Church, met in a, in a lovely place at the Martineau Centre in Quinton. Oh, Helen, we remember it well, don't we? Anyone else come to a Martineau Centre meeting? Okay, there are a few. Okay, the, the, the old guard, we're here. Not too, not too old, sorry, I don't mean that. But... Um, um, uh, but the leaders of the church, we met in West Birmingham, we were called West Birmingham Family Church. The leaders of the church uh, got, were getting a growing feeling that we weren't here just for one part of Birmingham, the West, but that God was encouraging us to think more broadly about how we could reach across the city. And uh, so what we did was we changed our name to Church Central. And we started actively seeking a central location in the city, in the city centre, a building that we could meet in and we could use as a base to serve the needs of the city uh, further than just west, but across the whole place. But the thing is, and anyone who's around at the time will know this, no location materialised. We had prayer meetings galore. We, we really sought God for this. We, we, there was words and pictures and everything. And we, like, we looked and we just couldn't find anywhere. We pushed loads of doors, uh, but none opened to us. And so Jonathan, the leadership team, at the time, they had an idea, and it was like this idea for, forged by kind of pushing a door, nothing's opening, right? We need to find a different way to do this. And uh, the idea was rather than inviting the whole city to come to us in one central location, why not multiply the church to various locations across the city? Aha, light bulb moment, uh, I imagine. And there was a, uh, a fabled leadership team meeting. I wasn't there, but I can just imagine it. Uh, it's probably in a cave somewhere with candles, I don't know, but like with a scroll where they wrote on it. No, I don't think it was that. Probably Jonathan's house. Um, but they decided, they talked it all through, and they decided a good idea would to be to become a multi-site church. And some of you would know uh, what that kind of thing means, a church that meets in different locations. And they hatched this plan and even came up with some kind of some goals. I thought, right, okay, this is the late noughties we're talking about here. I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be great to have four congregations in Church Central by the year 2020? And just to be clear, this was all pretty pragmatic. This seemed really sensible to those involved. And they kind of thought, yeah, this is what we'll do. But the next day, the very next day, it took a slightly different uh, dimension. Because on the next day, before any of the leaders had a chance to talk to anyone about this plan, a lady in the church came up to Jonathan and she gave him a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper was a drawing. And she said that she'd felt God kind of give her this picture that she needed to write down and she didn't have a clue what it was about. And all it was, was four kind of spheres. It's generously called spheres. They're blobs. That's what they are. If you see the picture, it's blobs. But let's call them spheres. There were four spheres, four circles around a central circle. Okay. And she was like, I just, I don't know what it is, but it's something to do with the church, I think God's saying. And it's kind of that the church should be four, but also one. No idea what that means. You can do with the best you can. And maybe I've just eaten too much cheese. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, you can probably imagine on the back of the meeting the day before, this was a real encouragement and a real sense of a seal of kind of stamp of endorsement from God on this plan uh, that we'd had. And so we threw ourselves, and, and you guys, many of you have, have been here on this journey, throwing ourselves into following through on what we felt God leading us to do. And so we multiplied Church Central into Church Central South and Church Central West. Any guesses on the year? What was that? Very close, but not as close as that. 2010. Well done to both. A little ripple of applause. I went, <laughs> yeah, that was 
Not even a ripple, but it was something. Um, okay, um, <laughs> we did that. I won't bother with the dates from now on. <laughs> um, 2010, we did South and West. 2013, uh, planted out into Church Central North. And then amazingly, I don't know, this kind of almost passes us by to think of, but it's really good to reflect on this. In the chaos of 2020, we went into the pandemic with what was barely a, a life group in uh, the east of our city. By the end of 2020, Church Central East had flourished to the point where it was obviously a site. I don't know if anyone noticed that. That was the weirdest thing. I still, I work with Tim. I still can't quite understand how that happened. Remember what happened in 2020. And so what happened was, while we were all kind of reeling from the pandemic and kind of wondering why we didn't have Christmas, or actually wondering why my friends in London didn't have Christmas and we got two days, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Um, while we were all doing that, actually, we could sit back and say, wait a minute, God spoke to us about four by 2020, we've, we, we did it. We were faithful. We've done that thing. Or look at the other angle. God did it. He's been faithful. But we followed through on that. I think it's an amazing thing. I really was encouraged by that so much, as I know many of us were. And actually, for the last year or so, uh, some of the leaders in different church, central churches, and I know some of you guys as well, we've been actively seeking God about the next chapter. 2020, four churches, four congregations across the city, done, done that. Next chapter. Well, what has God got for us next? We've been seeking God about that for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years. We want to follow what God's saying, what he's doing. I guess it won't surprise you hugely to see that one of the things we were not planning to do was to start by closing down one of our churches. That was not on the agenda. This is not some grand master plan from our perspective. So what on earth is going on? How on earth are we to take this news and what does it mean for Church Central broadly? and for Church Central South specifically. Well, to answer those questions, now I do, I want to turn to the Bible and get some context on this, because this kind of thing is not new stuff, okay? I want to look at passage. If you've got a Bible, if you could turn to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. We're going to be at the beginning of this passage, passage that some of you will be have come to before. It's the commissioning of the prophet Isaiah. And uh, as we go through this, I want us to get a biblical perspective on what I think is happening. And as I said a few minutes ago, reflect on the fact that though this is a sad time for us, and it is a sad time for us, and it's a sad time for our friends at West, I think even in what's happening, I hope we get a sense of God speaking about what he's got next. I don't think it's a, let's just dismantle, let's just go backward, let's just stall. Now, he's got some really big things in the horizon for us, because this is how God works. Where there's endings, and there are endings, he brings new beginnings. And we see that in this passage, and I trust God that we're seeing that here. Right, Isaiah 6, 1 to 9, this is what it says. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over! I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, 
Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. And he said, yes. Go and say to this people, ellipsis. I'll leave that. If you want to find out what he was to say to the people, you can follow that one through. But I'll stop there. I think in this passage, there are three things I want to draw our attention to. Uh, We see these things happening. We see an ending. We see a revelation of God and we see a beginning. An ending, a revelation of God and a beginning. And I want to just rattle through those three things and apply them to our general situation in our lives and also this situation with Church Central West that we are experiencing at the moment. First thing then, an ending. The events of this passage happen at a very specific time. They come in the year when King Uzziah died. Now, I'm just going to make this clear. This passage is about Isaiah and the king's called Uzziah or Uzziah. You just need to know that because otherwise it's going to get really confusing because they sound almost the same. But King Uzziah, he dies at the beginning. Now, what might be more confusing about this is you might not know much about King Uzziah because he's not a very famous Bible character. Now, I think, you know what, there's a case that that should be put right because he was a very important king of God's people in the Old Testament. Isaiah's reign was a time of great national stability and prosperity for the people of Judah. I mean, just the figures will will bear this out. He reigned for 52 years, which is a long time now, and it's a long time then. Uh, And in fact, it was the second longest of any ruler of God's people in the Old Testament. And to give an idea of of, of how this uh, was in relation to other kings, while he was king of Judah for those 52 years, that's the southern kingdom, in the northern kingdom of Israel, they had five different kings during that time. So Isaiah then, for all of that time, he was a sign of continuity and security when all around him was flux and change and uncertainty. And he oversaw all sorts of great achievements. Everything seemed to go pretty right for him till the end where he went a bit off the rails, but we'll forget that for the moment. Um, But he he, he had won great battles and he took control of strategic trade routes and he he gained tribute from neighbouring powers. He reorganised the army. He fortified a load of cities, uh, including the capital actually, uh, Jerusalem, and then he died. And that's where this passage begins. And you might brush over and say, yeah, okay, of course, it's unremarkable. That is what happens to people. They are born and then they die. Um, It's the the, the most certain fact of life that we encounter in the world we live in. That's the only certainty that we will, yes, all of us will die. And it's inevitable, but you know what? It doesn't make it any easier to deal with when it actually happens. And my guess would be that the people of Judah in the time of Uzziah, when he comes to an end, they would have had one big question. And the question would have been, okay, what happens next? What now, now that King Uzziah has died? Some may well have framed it in terms of their own personal security and safety. Okay, it's been a time of prosperity. They think, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my land? What's going to happen to my home? That would have been going on. But for many people, it would have been a different question. The question would have been in the context of God's purposes and his promises. If you read the Old Testament, you will know that God had incredible promises and purposes for his people. They went all the way back to Abraham and to Moses and to King David and to King Solomon. And as time went on, there were glimpses of those promises coming through. But at the same time, there'd be like backward steps that the people were making where they'd be thinking all the time, well, what's happening here? 
And the time of King Uzziah would be a time where they got a glimpse of the promise. And they'd think, wait a minute, this is how things are meant to be. Maybe now the promises are coming in. Maybe now's the time. Because it wasn't just that the nation was prospering at this time. They were back following Yahweh. They were back following the God of Israel on the whole. And for many, they'd have been thinking, right now is the time. We've had some stumbles across the way. But you see, everything's going our way. God is on our side. This is where the promises come in. And then he dies. And it's all thrown into uncertainty again. Listen, in all our stories, we experience endings a bit like this one. And they're not just in ancient history in some country somewhere away. They're right next to us. People die. People that we know and people that we love. People that we've trusted, they let us down or they leave us. Dreams and ambitions that we've cherished, they're going so well, I'm going there, and it just evaporates, it just disappears. We know disappointments, we know bereavements, we know redundancies, we know defeats, we know losses. And the closing of Church Central West is another one of those endings. That's what life is like in our world. And at those times so often, we are left uncertain, and we are left vulnerable, and we're left asking God, well, what now? Well, have we done something wrong here? Are you still with us? Have you deserted us? Passage like this, I think, is hugely encouraging because actually it's important to know that in this passage, very literally, the ending is only the beginning. Look what it says. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord that I saw the Lord. This passage is about an ending. It's also about a revelation of God. Well, all around seemed uncertain and unstable. God lifted Isaiah's eyes, the prophet, to himself up there. And where's God? It says this, he was sitting on a lofty throne. You might be caught up with all the seraphim and the coals and all that sort of stuff. I'm not even going to get onto them. I'm just going to, this sentence, I think, sums it up brilliantly. He was sitting on a lofty throne. What does this mean? Well, first of all, it's lofty. It's high. It's elevated. Our world here is a world of multiple overlapping endings, and they can be very, very disorienting for us. You've got to put your hope in one thing down here, and it disappears, and it fails, and it falls. And it's like you can't hold on to anything for long enough to really make it a substance for hope. It's gone. So at times of endings, we need to look up. We need to look up to a different plane, to the place where God lives. This is a vision of heaven. And to the one who is in heaven, who is called throughout the Bible the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And what that means is he has no beginning and he has no end. We sung it earlier, didn't we? Lift up your eyes. That's where you lift up our eyes. Did you notice, though, that as we sung lift up your eyes, and I think someone brought a, a passage, it might well have been Esther, uh, a passage which says, we lift up our eyes, and what does Jesus do? Well, he comes to us, and he lifts us up on wings like eagles. Did you catch that, that link? We lift up our eyes, he lifts us up. And I think that's what God wants us to do. I don't know, he certainly did it for Isaiah here. Time of an ending, what happens? Lift up your eyes, see the one who has no end. He's lofty. But what else is happening? He's on a lofty throne. The contrast to King Uzziah is obvious. The king is dead. Long live the king. (laughs) He's ruling. God's ruling. He's still the king. King Uzziah may have died, but the king of kings is still going strong. 
King Uzziah was a pretty decent ruler. We could give him that. Give him kind of a good solid seven out of ten, I'd say. At the end, he went a bit wrong, like I said before, but he was generally a good ruler. But this ruler up here, he's flawless, perfectly powerful, perfectly wise, perfectly just, perfectly loving, and he's still on his throne, and he's still running the show. He's on a lofty throne. What's he doing on that throne? He's sitting. He's sitting on the throne. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do on a throne. <laughs> Why did you point that out? Well, no, I think that's important. Actually, this is the position and posture that God is often presented in in the Bible as sitting. And that's important because sitting, particularly in the cultures that the Bible was written in, is a sign of confidence and it's a sign of peace. Contrast it with the opposite. And interestingly, the opposite of that is how God's enemy, the devil, is, is uh, presented. In the book of Job, it, it talks about the enemy, Satan, and it says of him, he was going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. See those two images? Sitting on a throne, going to and fro and walking up and down. It's the difference between someone who's pacing back and forth, biting their nails, and someone just sitting. It's done. I'm in charge here. Confident, calm, peaceful. God is not worried about the death of Isaiah in this story. He is not anxious. He is not in a flap. He is seated on his throne. Now, just to clarify, it does not mean he doesn't care about the endings that we experience. No, far from it. He cares deeply for his people. He couldn't have shown that any more than he's done. But he knows that the endings on earth, however painful they might be, in the short term, they do not derail his good plans. Plans to glorify his name and plans to do good for his people. As we confront the different endings in our lives, all of the different endings, uh, including the ending of a church that is dear to many of us, let's lift up our eyes from this uncertainty, from this fluctuation that we see in the world around us and see the one who is Holy, 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 unique, flawless, wonderful, seated, calm, confident, ruling, in control on the throne of the universe. He's seated. He is sat down. But he's not idle. It's not like he's slouched on the sofa surfing channels. Okay? You don't surf channels anymore, do you? Surfing what to watch on Netflix. He's not doing that, definitely, whatever it is. Now, he, he's seated, but he intervenes into a world of endings, often by deliberately starting new beginnings. And that's what we see as the last thing here. He's, this passage is about an ending. It's about a revelation of God, and it's also about a beginning. And the beginning is the commissioning of the prophet Isaiah, not Isaiah who died, but Isaiah is the one speaking in this passage. And in this time of potential unrest and confusion, Isaiah sees God and he offers his service to God for the first time. Hear me. Here I am. Send me is in this story. Really great. A great statement. Here I am. Send me. Verse 8. And actually, Isaiah hears God send him, give him a message for the people for the first time. But it is the first time, and it's the first time of many, many times he does this. If you read the book of Isaiah, you'll see it's a long book. It goes on for a long time because Isaiah's prophetic ministry was a significant and long ministry. Isaiah is perhaps the most famous of all the Old Testament prophets. 
And his message is a challenging message. Often he, he confronts the people of Israel and the people of Judah with their sins, and he brings news of God's judgment. There's challenge here. But actually, the messages of Isaiah that are most cherished today have a different feel to them because they're interlaced among the, the prophecies of judgment are these messages of hope that stick with us and that we, a lot of us would know uh, almost by heart. And those messages of hope are often based around a character that Isaiah writes loads about, more than anyone else in the Old Testament, and that character is Jesus. Now, for any of you who know your chronology of the Bible or the history of the Bible, you'll know that's a slightly odd statement because Isaiah was writing hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But what happened, this is the thing about prophets, I guess, his prophecies often focused on this coming Messiah who was coming. And there are incredible details that he gives that work themselves out very specifically in Jesus' life. So, for example, all your famous Christmas passages... They're most of them in Isaiah, okay? So, I mean, you, you, you can fill in the gap here. Isaiah 7:14. okay, I know we're Easter. Just go back a bit, get rid of sun, a bit of snow maybe, or you're wishing for snow. You can smell the turkey, the Christmas tree. You, you there? You there? Okay, good. All right, see if you can fill in the gap. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, Isaiah 7:14. Isaiah 9 verse 6, to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the... Government will be on his, on his shoulders. Thank you, Barbara. And there were others who followed as well. Famous passages, all from the prophet Isaiah. But bring up to speed the Easter passages are there too. Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Other bits. Uh, would be in Isaiah, including details about which family line Jesus belonged to, where he would live, even how he would be buried. And in many ways then, Isaiah's most enduring message to us today is the heralding of the coming Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, the God who came off that throne, that lofty throne he was sat on, and he came down to put the world right, to bring an end to the ultimate end, to death itself, and to usher in a new life for God's people. So at the precise time in this passage of this disconcerting ending, God sets into motion a new beginning. The ministry of Isaiah, which in turn is signposting the coming Messiah who will do far more than any human king could do. I think we've got to understand that with every ending that we experience in this fallen world, God is doing a very, very similar thing. It's Isaiah who tells us in another passage uh, that for Jesus' government, the Messiah's government and its peace will never end. His government and his peace will never end. And in all the twists and turns of life, however painful they may be, and they often are painful, to be a follower of Jesus is to trust him that when endings come, he hasn't fallen asleep but that he is still working out and advancing his kingdom even at those times. If you're reeling from losses and disappointments at the moment of many different kinds, please, as I've said, lift your eyes up to Jesus on his throne and trust him that even when it looks like hopes have been brought to a juddering, slammed halt, no, actually, Jesus is still furthering his purposes. 
And he can bring amazing new beginnings, even from endings. And I think, you know, that in this end at Church Central West, we have already started to see glimpses of this happening, even before we, we, this whole thing happened, really. If you were here two weeks ago, you would have uh, seen uh, the face on the screens here of uh, our good friend Chris Yeo in the north, talking about what's happening at Church Central North at the moment. Our church in, in the north has, has more than doubled in the last two months as regards people who are part of that community. Some of them Christians, some from the area around, some coming in from other places, but some of them people who don't know Jesus, even yet actually, who are now uh, firmly part of that community. In a few weeks, you'll hear a bit more about Church Central East uh, where God is doing some truly fantastic things. You know what, I'm a bit slow here. I've yet to be to, uh, yet to go to a Church Central East uh, Sunday service. But every report I get is just so impressive uh, from those guys. There have been multiple baptisms of new believers, uh, several of them from Muslim backgrounds. A few weeks back, I was talking to someone about the, the service, and we were saying, oh, yeah, we sung, and a few people prayed out. Like, oh, yeah, we had that in our service, too. We had six prayers. Uh, they were all in different languages. That's how Church Central East is. It's, it's very, uh, it's not just diverse. It's, it's different people knitted into something. That's just, I don't really understand how they do it. But anyway, <laughs> they do it, and it's amazing. In the office, if you come to church office on a Friday morning now, we have Hope English Club that we've had for, for a long time, but now uh, gathering a number of people and bringing them into the church community, mainly ladies. Uh, but our good friend Nadim, who many of us would know, has also started another English club for some guys from the local hostel. And I was there on Friday morning, and there's just people everywhere. It's like, wow, what's happening here? This is great. And the word of uh, what's going on is, is so exciting. that There are people, it's not just that we're welcoming the nations into Church Central East. People are coming from other countries just to help out at Church Central East. I saw him before, Matt's over there, isn't he? There he is, there's the man he landed a couple of weeks ago, all the way from uh, some country over in the West. I think America, that's the one. Um, and uh, to come to deliberately to help with his family uh, into the situation in the East. Great to have you here and your family, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Met Matt this week, we had a great time on Tuesday. Um, it's amazing what God's doing. Now, obviously, all this stuff, this is down to God's grace, and, and I'm so thankful for what he's doing. But at the same time, it definitely feels like we've learned some really important lessons over the last 10 years about how to plant churches into local communities with focus and vision differently to how we've done it before. And so as we welcome our friends from Church Central West back into Church Central South, We've already felt God stirring us and stirring us and starting to stir us regarding planting fresh churches from Church Central South. And those plants might well be possibly back into the West. We're not making any commitments there, but they might be. There might be other parts of the South that we plant into, into specific communities. We don't know where it is, but we are committed to planting more churches in Birmingham. Like I said, the picture God gave us of the four spheres before, that was for 2020, fine, but that was the starting point in our minds. And we're now we're seeking God, where he's leading us next. And actually, we're pretty convinced that uh, having, as we thought about this, this actual regrouping and bringing Church Central West back into Church Central South feels like it could provide just the impetus that we need to do just that. I'm hoping that there'll be all sorts of... Uh, exciting detail to add to that at some time. So I'm not, I've, we've not got some big reveal, by the way, that we're just about to say, and next week this is happening. But that's how we're praying, and that's what we're trusting God for. And that's, when we look at Scripture and we see our story so far, that's what God's always done, hasn't he? And it's wonderful to be a part of it. And so hopefully we'll be able to share some more stuff about that soon. But I really just want to encourage you today that 
Yeah, we do. We live in a world of endings, but we serve an endless God. And this endless God specializes in new beginnings. Yeah, let's mourn with those who mourn. Let's do it. Some of us might be mourning a bit too. And let's welcome our friends from Church Central West really well. But at the same time, let's be full of faith for what God is starting to do among us, even in this season. Now, in a moment, we are going to do what I hope is fitting, and I hope that you'll be in a place where you think, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. We're going to pray uh, to end our meeting for, for the situation in Church Central West, and Rich is going to come up and, and lead us in a song. In fact, Rich, where are you? Do you reckon you can come up and use that funny nose pincher for whatever it does on your guitar? <laughs> um, but I want to just, uh, before we do that, I just want to give three practical things that I'd like us to do uh, in, in the midst of this situation, I'd encourage us to do. And uh, if you want to write them down or just log them in your head before we move on to sing and to pray, uh, they're these things. And the first one is this. Please can you help us welcome uh, Church Central West back to Church Central South? Please, you, we're all part of that, something we can all do. And there's loads of different ways to do it. If you know people at Church Central West, they'd probably give them a message, say hi, say you're praying for them. Please do be praying for them as well. But just uh, one thing very specifically, as you've, you've kind of heard earlier, we are going to be going to Lordswood on next Sunday, on the 17th, for East Sunday, but also on the 1st of May. And that's because, practically, uh, we can't use this building for bank holidays. That, that's the practical reason. And that's often a bit of a pain. We, lo- we want to be here. It's a pain we have to go off somewhere else or the office or whatever. Um, but on this occasion, I think there's something in this. It's, it's a great thing to be able to go on the last Sunday that, Lord, that West will be meeting. We'll be able to be with them. Now, I know that when we go to a different venue, for whatever reason, sometimes it's like, it's kind of a week off, isn't it? It's the day that we choose something else to do. And for some of you, you might have things that you're doing that bank holiday weekends, and you know, that's absolutely fine. But please, if you can, would you be with us on those days as a sign of welcoming our friends at Church Central West in? It would be great to have a really good crew over at Lordswood on those Sundays, uh, being able to welcome our friends across. It would just make it... I think it will just make it easier for them to know what they're coming to in that way. And if you're on teams, uh, are serving teams, it might be some messages flying around in the next few days, uh, looking for some help possibly on those, those days. Please just have a heads up for them too. And if you can do that, that would be great. So first of all, welcome our friends in. I've got you behind me now. You're thinking, oh, why did I stand up here now? But anyway, I've almost done. Um, also, could you think about whether God is calling you to a new beginning uh, at the moment? Is God stirring you about serving a community more intentionally in our city? And that could be uh, in the north, could be Church Central North that you, you think you could, you could serve there. Could be in Spark Hill or Small Heath um, or among uh, those who just come to England from other countries. And Church Central East could be a good place to go then. It could be that you feel a stirring for something that doesn't exist at the moment. That you think, oh, look, something from Church Central South and a community around us. Well, you know what? Please start praying about it. And come and talk to us about it. We want to hear that. We want to plan and scheme and, uh, and move in faith together. So the second thing. And the third thing is this, and we're going to move into this right now. Can you please pray for Church Central West? With all this stuff, this isn't a formality. None of this is a formality. God answers the prayers of his people. The last thing I'm going to say is uh, you might well have lots of questions. And please uh, feel free uh, to grab, um, grab myself, grab Jonathan, grab any of the other elders, uh, but also your, your community group leaders, they might not know this yet, but they'll have uh, access to a list of uh, uh, FAQs, frequently asked questions that we've put together um, that, that hopefully um, we'll be able to give out to people who need it. Um, so go to them as well. Um, yeah, that's me done, Elise.